This week on Reliving the Extreme, we are discussing the episode of ECW from December the 6th, 1994. Nate and your host here, along with my brother Aaron. Hello, everybody. And Mr. Chad Austin. Hey, tally-ho. And this week, you know, they have that old expression in, in wrestling when you go to a show and the undercard, the midcard, they're kind of just there. You're there to see one match. They call it a one match show. This week's episode of ECW is literally a one match show because and it's a one match that I don't even think that everybody even wanted to see. <laughs> it is there is only one match featured. We will get into that. However, Damn. before we do that, let's do let's play some some Chad Austin Wikipedia. Let's continue with another paragraph of Chad's Wikipedia. We ha- you haven't really uh, disputed any many facts in this as we've gone through it so far, Chad. Except for the birthplace, right? Yes, yes. Um, on January twenty eighth, two thousand one, Chad lost to Julio De Niro in Bel Air, Mar- Bel Air, Maryland. Remember working with Julio De Niro? Yeah, you guys know who he is. He he was he was um at one at one point. Was any he wasn't Ubass, was he? No. no that was what? <laughs> why, why are you going to insult him? <laughs> Would you call him? Who? Who? It, it was a different guy. There was the guy that was like the fake Sabu, and they called him Ubass. Oh, okay. All right. No, it it slipped over my head. Uh, now I know who you're talking about. That's Pablo Marquez, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah, but the way you said it, it sounded like you were insulting him. No. <laughs> Like you called I, him a U bass. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know what that is. It doesn't sound very flattering. Kick his ass, my, U bass. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got my Puerto Ricans or whatever confused. Sorry. But Julio De Niro was um he's not he's not even fucking he's not even Spanish. Is he the guy that teamed with Chris Hamrick at one point? Dude, he did he did everything. He he went he worked for everybody. He worked worked everywhere. He was even on that stupid, what was that, Heroes of Wrestling? Oh, yeah, he wrestled too cold on that. I forgot about that. Dude, I, mean, <laughs> I blocked it out of my memory. <laughs> he was like one of the guys that I trained. He came out of our system, like 100%, came out of Maryland. And 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 I don't, I, I didn't train him to where, um, like, like, he got because me and him, every time we wrestled, we wrestled multiple times. And every time we wrestled, it was a chore because he would, he came, he, like his big break came when he was young and he went to um, WCW. It's okay, Jess. He went to WCW and did jobs. Mm-hmm. And then like he, he started getting kind of like not pushed, but like not, you know, just, he, he was one of, he was a job guy that was getting spots in. Right. Yeah, and it like went to his head, and come to figure, like at the end of the day, he wasn't even a wrestling fan. Like he was only doing it for the money. And I used to have these matches with him, and it was like pulling teeth because he wanted you to remember every single thing you were doing, every single spot was going over the spot. You know, it was like ten times before the match even started. That you sat out in the hallway with him, and you're like, all right, duck under, grab the arm. I don't even know what that means. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know when he when he's like trail arm. What the fuck's the trail arm? <laughs> trail arm. And it's like it's the arm that's standing there. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna duck under your elbow and grab the other arm. Why are you? Gonna, okay, I don't know. 
if that's what you that's what you're gonna do, then you can just go ahead and do it, and then I, you know, and then I'll just automatically you know go with you, like whatever. But I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah, Julio was Julio was something else, man. And I love the guy. Like I never had a problem with the guy personally. I still never had a problem with the guy personally. But working with him, good lord. At the end of the year, Chad and Chad and Dino Divine lost to Van Hammer. And the Cowboy, a local WZBH disc jockey in Laurel on December 16th, 2001. I didn't know that you ever worked Van Hammer, Chad. I'm sorry. Dude, I worked Van Hammer. Like, this is the beginning of... Uh, this might not even be the beginning of it. Um, we did, like, a, a whole, most, a whole entire almost year with me and Dino against Van Hammer and Cowboy. Like, Van, Van Hammer, dude... Say what you want about him. Sure, he stinks. Awful. I mean, you can smell him coming. <laughs> it's terrible. But um, he he ran he ran like he 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 must he had some gimmick with a radio show, a radio station, or something. Mm-hmm. And they put money behind what happened to fucking Aaron. <laughs> I don't know where Aaron went. <laughs> um, they they put some he, money. He was bored him. with your Van Hammer story, and he's oh, like fucking out. Yeah. <laughs> He's too busy googling Bruno Mastino, and he can't he can't put up a little Van Hammer. Oh, dude, but Van Hammer actually really was the best. And and as as much as he doesn't know about the business, Mm -hmm. he's a lot smarter than than you think he is. Uh, uh, Not that he's like an intelligent worker per se. You know what I mean? Right. He's smart to the business. Like you know, he he knows that you're not going to fuck him on money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he makes sure he gets his money and he does his homework too like for the money he just don't just assume that you're going to pay him 300 whatever hell of dollars is well he makes and- sure that you ha- that you have uh what aaron's back yes he he, he makes sure that you have like a thousand people in the building before he starts shaking it out for your money for his money <laughs> Well, he did. He did. He did. He did. He did work in the land of sharks in WCW for for most of his career. So I'm sure he picked up. Yeah, I'm sure he picked up some pointers from uh, from people along the way about you know making sure you get fucking paid. Yeah, I I mean, teaming with the DJ that was probably the only time the DJ was a better worker of the team. He was the best worker of the match, and it was me and DJ, (laughs) me and Dino against him and Van Hammer. Dude, I'll tell you what. If you want to know, I, I think I might have it on tape. I, I I think I do have it on tape. But here was the deal: like after we had like the blow off match, and the blow off match was like a um like a bunkhouse match, you know, anywhere, mm-hmm. anywhere's all that nonsense, you know, whatever. And all I remember was uh, Van Hammer said, "Chad, you come with me. Um, Cowboy, you go with Dino." And I remember at one point when me and Van Hammer were working, and we were working. We were just walking around, you know, doing the ECW arena shit. Mm-hmm. You know, you're smashing your head in the garbage. You know what I mean? The walk and brawl. Yeah. Walk and brawl. Yeah, you're not doing anything. And I remember at one point I looked over and I saw Dino beating the shit out of Cowboy. And I told I told uh, Hammer, I was like, dude. Go 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 check on them. Like he's he's like stopping me in the corner. And I'm like, dude, go check on them. Because because Dino was beating this guy's ass. And <laughs> I and I, I was him off. He might want to go take a look at that. 
and and it's 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 hilarious because Cowboy doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know he doesn't know how to sell. So he's in the fetal position. You know, <laughs> you know, D- Dino's beating the shit out of him, um, like just stomping on him and stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, just go over there and see what's going on. <laughs> Please. On January 30th, 2002, Chad appeared with Total Quality Management in their final match together in front of an estimated 1,200 fans at the MCW Rage TV taping in Glen Burnie. He had been scheduled to take part in a six-man tag team match with Dino Devine and Kelly Bell against Jimmy Cicero and the Bad Street Boys, but was replaced by ex-member Q-Ball Carmichael. Uh, I, I guess so. I mean, you said that was the final match of TQM? Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, January 30th, 2002. All I can say was, or I can say is, is TQM, I think, at some point, it not it not only carried MCW, but I think it, it put MCW on a whole entire different, like, independent plane. And it's, it's not because I was just in it, not because I was in it, but... Clearly it was. I'm not going to take credit for it. I mean, there's a couple other supporting players. You know, Jimmy Cicero. <laughs> what has he ever done? <laughs> um, you know, and then we had Dino. And, yeah, we had a, we had a great idea, man. Total quality management was, was Cicero's idea of taking um, – he was kind of like one of them infomercial dudes where he would kind of brainwash you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he would like he would give you like his system. This is like you know, and then you listen to him, and 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 then we all we started dressing the same, and then we all started looking the same because eventually we brought in Chip, who was I don't even know this guy, like I don't know him personally still to this day, and he was my tag team partner because he looked like me, <laughs> and then we just dressed alike, and then we brought in Dino and brought in Q Ball. And yeah, it, it, it was, it was at the time in Maryland, it was the hottest. It was the, dude, it was over, put it that way. It, it was the only job. It was the only gimmick that I've ever done that I've gotten a royalty check from an actual check in the mail because I sold so many goddamn t-shirts. Kelly Bell, that name rings a bell, no pun intended, but I don't know who that is. I don't he's know. A, he's a, he's a local musician. Okay. I mean, he, he he has a couple of national records. I don't know how big he is. Any, I have no idea how big he is outside of Maryland. But Maryland is kind of a big deal. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna um, open up a new abortion clinic, you have Kelly Bell play in the parking lot. I don't know if you're gonna you know car wash um, <laughs> you know. an abortion clinic. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> I, I, you know, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do any of that nonsense, you know, <laughs> a check cashing place, a liquor store, you know, you have Kelly Bell to play in a parking lot, and everybody will come out to it. And he was a big dude; he was like three hundred and three hundred sixty pounds plus, whatever. And they didn't know what to do with him, and they were like, "Well, can we put him with TQM?" And we're like, "Yeah, wait a minute, what's that? <laughs> put put him with who?" And and we did, and. That's when I, I don't. It, it, it's right around when I started taking over the book for TQM because Cicero uh, he became less and less. You know, he he wasn't showing up all the time because he, he came all the way from North Carolina, and we were running shows almost weekly. Mm-hmm. 
and it was just too much for him. And and it was like, all right, well, we gotta we we, we could book this over the phone, right? We'll love you. You know, right? Yeah. Like it, it, you know, you ain't you don't have to be here. You don't have to be here to be here. And we can still put you over when we do our promos and all that stuff. You know what I mean? We still have right. a leader. And then eventually it just became that me and Dino just said, fuck it. <laughs> do our own thing. Well, before, I guess we'll do this too, because like I said, this, the CCW show isn't going to take very long. So I'll pull from my questions that I've gotten from one of our listeners and you can email me anytime, relivingtheextreme at gmail.com to get a question in for Chad, Aaron, myself, what have you. We just got one hand bone just sending us questions. Just one guy. No, no, I'm just I'm gonna pull I'm gonna pull one question of the questions that I have. I like to keep them in the just in case right. we have a show like this that's gonna take, I know, like 20 minutes to talk about. Well, I know it's Mississippi. <laughs> it was just the way you said it. it was like we got this question from this one guy that's sending us questions. Oh, no, not, not this one guy over and over again. Uh, bub- his name is Bubbles. Some Bubbles, Bubbles from Yorkville. Um, this is from a gentleman named Brad. Does not put where he is from here, but he says, "Hi guys. This question isn't necessarily ECW related, but I notice you don't always stay on just ECW." <laughs> He's on to us. Um, who are your five favorite heels of all time? Chad Ooh. on the spot. All right, I can I can give you I can give you three. Um, the Sheik. Bobby Heenan, <laughs> and uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. I got one. Well, hey, Abdul the Butcher. I figured you would say Eddie Gilbert too. Well, that's no, it's Eddie because Eddie's a he's a um he's he's too transparent. If you know, you know, if you mm-hmm. understand what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, because you know he can come in and he can he can pretend like he's the good guy all day long. And everybody, even his parents know. <laughs> like you know, even Tommy, Tommy Gilbert's buddy. Remember, he didn't even want to referee his matches anymore. You know, <laughs> because he never knew what his son was going to do. I and the, the Sheik is is a class unto himself um, by far. Yeah, see, that's almost like a generic answer. Yeah, I, I feel bad about even even saying that. Because, it, in my opinion, the Sheik's the biggest baby face, you know? He, he made me fucking want to watch that shit. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't give a shit what he was doing. He could, he could be killing, he could be killing, like, all them. I can't believe there's so many Hispanic people that are in Detroit that just love getting mauled. <laughs> like, if you, if you watch any, uh, any of the TV and stuff, like it's all a whole bunch of Eduardos, you know, and guys like that that are just getting mauled by the sheep. Yeah. Like, what? What is it? Like, is, is his yard too big? And is, there's a discrepancy over the over the the, the mowing. I don't, I don't quite get it. <coughs> and you mentioned Abdullah. A lot of people like to. I don't know why, but a, a lot of people like to dog on it on Abdullah. And and. From a personal standpoint, I don't know him as a person. I've heard he could be kind of a piece of shit. But as far as a wrestling heel goes and what a heel's supposed to be, he doesn't. He didn't need to be. I mean, wrestling five star classics or anything like that. That wasn't the intent of his character. And he he personified his gimmick. In it, it, you can arguably say that he and Carlos Colon supported a wrestling industry in an entire country. 
Oh, he's yeah, clearly. You, I mean, for I don't know what the the better part of almost twenty years, mm-hmm. at least fifteen, right? And I remember as a kid him being the first wrestler when I was a kid that I watched. I was fascinated by him. Like I didn't know why I was fascinated <laughs> by him, but I was fascinated by him when he was on TV. You had um, to be. You and had that was just, to have been. And, and, he, and was, he made it a career and never said a fucking word. Like, how many people can say they did that? You know what I mean? Have you ever seen the tape, his uh, Puerto Rican tape? Yes, I actually have it. I, I have it. Yeah, I don't have... have I, I do not have the original? No, 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 no. I don't have... The, I'm sorry. I don't have the tape. I have it uh, digitally. So I have seen it, but I don't have the physical tape, no. Oh, no, I have, I have it. I have uh, I have it on digital, I have it on DVD, and I have the actual VHS with the clamshell. Mm-hmm. But it's the spot where he catches the fly. Yes, <laughs> that's the fucking that that's the the dollar store fly. That yeah, it's, 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 it's for those. It's a Halloween like decoration fly. Yes, for those of you that haven't seen it, like Chad said, it's like it's a, it's obviously a plastic fly. Like. Yes. <laughs> He catches it and it's still intact. Oh, and then, that's... and then the look on his face when he puts it in his mouth—a plastic fly. Oh. <laughs> I mean, from the looks of thing, he didn't—he didn't really give a shit what else he put in his mouth. Yeah, as I was say, Abby wasn't really discriminate on what he ate. And have, have have you guys? Do you guys know or have any of you guys ever been to his house of ribs? No. Do you know anybody that's ever been there? I don't. Not it's closed now, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. I, I know. Uh, I heard yes. the stories about how people uh, wrestlers would get pissed off because he wouldn't. Uh, he wouldn't uh, comp their meal. <clears throat> Look, he's not Jimmy Seafood. He's a doing. He's, he's a businessman. Damn it, <laughs> dude. That's that. You Nate, you ain't fucking kidding. <laughs> he doesn't give a fuck if you have trunks and boots. He's like, dude, I'm running a business here. You know, if if you want free food, you go to Jimmy's. Go to the mission if you want free food. <laughs> You're gonna pay here. And you also mentioned Bobby Heenan. Obviously, that hands down is yeah, he's is, on my list. I mean, Bobby Heenan is uh, Bobby Heenan's my favorite. He's not. He's my favorite wrestling personality of all time. Bobby Heenan is one of the guys that had it all, all of it, every bit of it. There was not a hole in his game, no matter what he was doing. Um, he could bump. He could. He could talk. Um, he could set up. That's a whole another entire thing right there. He he could be a middleman. He's mm-hmm. a great. He's a great middleman. If you want to get an angle over and you want to start it somewhere, give it to Bobby Heenan. Yes, and I'll put his wit. I'll put his wit up against any professional comedian on the planet, any comedic actor on the planet. Uh, you know that. I mean that. That I understand what you're saying, and I I give him full full entire credit for that and all but i i don't i don't put him in that high that high of an esteem mm-hmm. but i think for for his profession for for what he's done for his profession his wit is is outstanding and goes without question but yeah i mean we're talking about like he said he said i'm getting so much fan mail my my mailman in, in beverly hills is hunchbacked <laughs> but i think that's like that's like not even like his own jokes like like a lot of his a lot of the stuff isn't even his own jokes. And that's not that's not a bad thing because you can always take somebody's 
other stuff and retool it and make it your own. Right. You know, and he could take a he could take a non funny joke and just the way he delivered it make it funny. Just the fact that he who who are the sisters that he always the Rosati sisters Rosati sisters he goes he the 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 Bobby Heenan the first Bobby Heenan show they come out and he goes. They're under the hot lights. They smell like bacon. It smells like bacon. <laughs> That's not what he says. That's not I what thought he said, he said that. It smells no, like bacon. How he says it is. You guys might think you smell bacon cooking, but it's just the lights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yes. <laughs> the, lot, the, the lights are hot. Dude, Bobby Sunny Beach is going to wrestle on primetime, and Gorilla Monsoon goes, we're going to have the debut of Sunny Beach. And Bobby's like, you ever seen his sister? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, her name, her name, her name's Kitty Litter. Like, if I would say that, it's not funny. But the way he delivers it, it fucking pops <laughs> every fucking time. There, there's another part of prime time where there's a little and he just got away with so much shit. There's there's like a little gorilla like stuffed animal wearing like a WWF like cut off shirt and it's sitting over by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby's like what you got over there? A Coco Beware action figure? Like Jesus Christ. What? <laughs> there's a stuffed gorilla. I know I heard you. I'm just saying <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, don't have to repeat it. <laughs> There's a stuffed gorilla. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you said something about sapphire? No. <laughs> what is it? What was the punchline then? He asked him if it was a Coco Beware action figure. <laughs> well, same thing. Aaron, what what do you uh what do you got? Your favorite heels of all time. Uh like I said, Bobby's on my list. Um, and this isn't any order, but I'd say Bobby. Flair, <laughs> Rude, um, Rick Rude, Larry Funk. yeah, Rick Rude and WCW is a heel. Jesus Christ, um, I forgot, I, I'm sorry, I forgot your age. Never mind. Terry Funk, and you guys are gonna blast me for this, or maybe not. I don't know, but DiBiase is a million dollar man. Oh, well, I'm blasting you for being a million dollar man. If it was DiBiase Mid South, oh, yeah, was- that too, yeah. Yeah, but, but that was the that was the the devious Debiasi. Yeah, you know, I like, dude, he turned on like Doctor Death, and oh my god, and yeah, that was. Well, no, I mean, and, and and I know about all that stuff because I I've watched it as I've gotten older. But I'm just thinking as me as a kid, those were the guys that were like the heels that were like too cool for school. And my, you know what I mean? To me, that's that's that, of course. That's what- Dude, it, it broke it broke my heart. I was on um like I went I went on like a, a like a vacation down to the beach with a friend of mine's family, like in whatever the summer of whatever eighty six or whatever, and we were in in the hotel room where we were staying, and we we're and we we were scanning through the TV and we found like the wrestling channel whatever wrestling was on, and. It was like the first million dollar man coming to the WWE thing. The, and the, the the vignettes. And I think I dropped like, like a vase. And I have no idea why I was even holding the vase. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It was like one of those things where it's so like heart shattering <laughs> that you had to just drop something made of glass. So I just grabbed a vase, dropped it. Oh, oh my god. Ted DiBiase. I just watched him last week wrestle one man gang. Like, 
and, and, and like literally, it was last week. It, as a matter of fact, it wasn't even last week. It was like three days ago. You were wrestling the one man gang in Tulsa, and it was breaking down. I wonder sometimes if he took the deal because he saw the writing on the wall for the for Mid South or the UWF, and kind of got an offer he couldn't refuse from Vince. And, and at that point in your career, you're thinking, man. Yeah. I can make a lot of fucking money working for Vince McMahon. I, he took the job. I, I've seen interviews with him. He took the job because Terry Funk told him to. And Jim Barnett. Because he said Vince flew him down, wouldn't tell him exactly what the gimmick was because he didn't want anybody to be able to steal it. And and then basically got like a, a broad outline of what they were planning on doing. And he called Terry Funk. And Terry Funk said, Vince McMahon has a heel gimmick that is so good in his opinion that he's not even willing to tell you what it is. You should probably take it. And for a worker, it's the greatest gimmick of all time because what worker has ever had the least amount of road expense? It wasn't even road expense. It was just coming, everything. Coming out of their own pocket or not coming out of their own pocket. Vince gave him the Vince gave him money every day to go out and spend it because he, he wanted he wanted him to he wanted people to think it was real. You know? Do you know that for being a shoot? Well, I know that's what DiBiase has said. I okay. don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's corroborated it, but that's that's what DiBiase says that he was. No, giving... no, no. I, I was. I was going to say, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's true. Okay. I, I just did. I just didn't know, like, if you just assumed that or something. <laughs> no, no. I, I remember DiBiase telling either either on one of his one of the DVDs or in a. I think it's. I actually have the that DVD where. The one where he talks I, it, at the end of it, it gets into his religious thing, and I never watched the end of it. Because... Oh, dude, that that must be the one that I have too. <clears throat> it's like four hours, and you get like an hour and forty minutes in, and then all of a sudden you go, yeah, it, it turns into a Jesus commercial. He talk, he's, he's talking about this process or project or or yeah. something. It's almost like what is it, what is the one with the, that Bill Watts did too. I've the never same, seen I've never seen that one. Dude, it's like eight hours long. <laughs> um, six of it's about church. It, no, it turns no, out, it, turns no out listen, man. I'm serious. This is a shoot. Is it like, when Bill Watts is trying to sell Amway or whatever? Yeah, but he never says what it is. He calls it he he just calls it the product. It's the product. You sign up and you get the product, and then you know. Well, that's what he was trying to push. And I'm like, you're Bill Watts. <laughs> I mean, seriously, Junkyard Dog, Michael Hayes. I don't know. What the hell are you going to do? What are you doing now? You're trying to sell me knockoff IC? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're trying, to, you're trying to sell me fake milk? I'd, I'd buy I'd buy Bill Watts Kool-Aid before I'd buy anything, anybody trying to sell me something about church. But that's just me. The lot's like oh, my tremendous product, low D. It's delicious. <laughs> low D batteries. <laughs> low D juice. It's knockoff high C. It's low D. Like just imagine if he sold batteries that were used. <laughs> he he sell used used batteries. There's no guarantee on how long they're gonna work. If you think they're dying, just take them out and flip them. And put <laughs> yeah. them yeah. <laughs> put your tongue. Put your tongue on it. <laughs> Rub your butt on it. <laughs> All right. Let's Don't dig into this. Show to review here. No, Nate. You, you do. didn't give us yours. What? You didn't give us your five. Oh, well, I was kind of asking you guys, but. Okay. Um, 
And what was the five what? Five best heels. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they are going to be pretty much the same. Yeah, I mean, I, I am also, like Aaron, a fan of DiBiase and both Mid-South and the WWF. I am a fan of the Million Dollar Man character and gimmick, and I thought he, there was there there wouldn't have been anybody that could do it better. Um, I I am also a big fan of Kurt Henning. Oof, um, no, not me. No, yeah, I I, I, I like Kurt Henning. Um, I don't know. I agree. I agree with Chad on the Sheik and 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 Abby. They're fantastic. Yeah, but that's um, too, but that's too generic, right? I don't think so, because wrestling is like music and like any other art form. It's all subjective. Somebody else could probably come on here that's only twenty six years old and tell us their favorite heel of all time is Randy Orton. I know, I know, but it's it's also like saying, in my opinion, or maybe in your opinion, that I think that like the Sheik is like Iggy and the Stooges, like you know, one of my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand, you know. Just you know, you ask you ask like five people walking down the street. You ever heard of the Sheik? You ever, you ever heard of Eggy or the Stooges? You know, and they're like, right. no. And it's like, <laughs> oh my god, it's like one of it's one of them things. Like, if you kind of know, you kind of know. And, I'm and also they're, oh, they're my sorry. favorite guys, man. They're they're all my favorite guys, even down to the Ivan Kolos. Mm-hmm. I'm also a huge fan of Jake Roberts as a heel. Um, so I'd put him up there too. It's just his his promos and, and and his psychology and everything. He's a he was a fantastic fucking heel too. Um, yeah, yeah, he definitely was. Um, it wasn't until what was that late? Was it late 81, 80, 80, 82 when he turned on what? Who was it? Like was it Mike Graham or or uh, uh, um, Mike Davis? Mike Davis, yes, Mike Davis. Yeah, and like ask well, Archie, and, ask Archie Mitchell to remember that <laughs> fucking loser. And then also, and, and and I, I know a lot of people. Again, it, I know the WWF was cartoony and stuff, but in ninety in ninety one, his heel run with Savage was some of the most compelling television that company ever did. When he when he was the heel and Savage was the babyface with Jake Roberts, so. Yeah, I would put him up there too. Um, well, if, if Jake Jake is a heel, um, I, I, you, you don't even have to go. It don't even have to be that um, uh, psychological. It doesn't even have to be that much. Like like as you're saying that it was in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Look at how he was in Georgia. Yeah. Um, he he basically what he would do is all right. This is what he would do, Nate. He would take the the national TV title and he would just set it right on the podium, right in front of him while he leaned over it. Like, doesn't that breed some sort of, like, comfortability mm-hmm. where and, he feels like, I'm not worried about Ronnie Garvin. Right, that's what I was going to say, an arrogance, you know, a cocksure yeah. arrogance. Like, like you're telling me Ronnie Garvin, <laughs> you know, is going to take this from me? That's why I've always said I think it's it's the biggest shame, I guess I would say, of, of Jake's demons other than obviously the personal, the personal um, suffering and everything, and then the, the, his family and stuff like that, but for the business, I think the most the most sad thing about the fact that he was so wrapped up in his demons for so long is that he didn't get to take take enough people under his wing, you know, and teach because he would have been. I mean, to teach to teach wrestling psychology, there's almost probably nobody better that's alive. Cool. 
I don't know, man. I'll, I, I'll give Aaron a chance to think on this or speak on this before I think about it. Cause I got, I got, I got mixed, mixed emotions about it. So I'd like to hear somebody else's opinion. on it. You're talking like promos or like in the ring. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no, for Jake, it would be, I, if I had a wrestling school, like the performance center or whatever, he would be the guy for promos and psychology. I don't care about in the ring as far as he goes. That's not what I'm looking to get out of him. Because the guys that are still alive, I'd put like working wise, like Bob Orton in there. You said Bob Roop? Not Bob Poop. Bob, Bob Roop. <laughs> Buck Rock and Roll Zoomhoff? Oof. He can't, he's, he got to get out of jail first. Zoomhoff. That ain't ever going to happen. <laughs> what about Mr. Electricity Steve Real? Mike George? Mike George. It's <laughs> the personality. George Wells. Who are we going with? Rufus R. Jones. Well, the episode of ECW from December the 6th, 1994. We still haven't even done it. We still show. haven't even touched it yet, but we're about to, and it's not going to take very long at all. Um, and I'm not saying, folks, I'm not saying that the match that was featured was bad. I'm just saying it's the only match that was featured. Um I didn't even know there was a match. We we opened the show with Shane Douglas and Sherry, sensational Sherry coming out to the ring. Um, Shane Douglas begins to cut a promo as we go to Joey Styles, and he says that the advertised partner for Shane Douglas, Steve Austin, can't wrestle because of an injury, and that Sherry has found a replacement for Steve Austin, and it is revealed that that replacement is Brian Pillman. So which Joey Styles says nobody's going to be asking for refunds now that it's they know it's Brian Pillman is the tag team partner for Shane Douglas. Oof. Honestly, what do you think about that statement? I mean, was was Brian Pillman the answer there then there? I think so, and the reason I say that is don't you think that this crowd is the crowd what do I want to say? This is the type of crowd that got Pillman to where he was and what he became because wasn't he always, we didn't have the, you didn't have the internet back then, but wasn't he a smart fan darling back then? Yeah. Yeah. But Steve was too. Like Steve was a guy that smart marks or whatever we're into. Um, like it's later in my notes, but I'll just say it now. Like I wish there were, I wish Pillman would have spent more time in ECW, honestly. Oh, uh, no. I mean, I think, I think, I think Paul wishes that. <laughs> like, if there was ever a guy that didn't spend as much time as he should have there that was just custom made for fucking ECW, it was Brian Pillman. Yeah, but how great, how, how great does that, does that tell you how Paul is where he could take, um, a Brian Pillman, a Steve Austin, you name them, and they come in and they they have an idea of a character, mm-hmm. like these guys that are just like, finally, I can do what the fuck I want to do. Yeah, and then, and Paul goes, okay, well, what the fuck do you want to do? <laughs> you know, and they, they they get a chance to explain their shit, and you know, get their shit over. That's awesome. And then um, before the match actually starts, it's, it's Shane Douglas and Brian Pillman against uh, Two Cold Scorpio and Ron Simmons. Before the match starts, we get a promo from Two Cold and Ron Simmons, a tale of two types of promos here, because we always say Scorpio, great wrestler, poor promo. This is a question I have for you guys, because we put him over on the show all the time, because I know we're all big fans. 
Pablo Marquez? <laughs> Chad, would you say, and I don't you can tell me if I'm blaspheming, but at his best, is Ron Simmons at least almost as good a promo as as uh as Ernie Ladd? Oh <laughs> nah. No, let, let's be, let's be, let's, I mean, seriously. I mean, what do you, are you, I mean, is this a sort of a, is this some sort of a joke? Maybe. Um, because. <laughs> now I just, the only reason I even wrote that down, it is kind of a joke, but he, he, I guess my point is he has, you can tell that he is a, an Ernie Ladd fan. But, but hold on, but let me, let me give you my answer. Okay. My answer is because like you said, he might be an Ernie Ladd fan. But he's all. He also takes wrestling a whole lot more seriously than Ernie Ladd did. True. <laughs> and 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 he's talking about kicking your ass, and Ernie Ladd's making metaphors about you know about stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's doing all kinds of silly things and stuff like that because he's Ernie Ladd. So I mean, I mean, could you imagine Ron Simmons versus Ernie Ladd? That, the the two of them in their prime that would have been fun to watch. I mean, where would you where would you you couldn't even if you had it in New Orleans it'd be a riot. <laughs> they they'd burn the building down because half the people will be there for the big cat, big cat, and the other half will be there for Ron. Oh yeah, that would be a scene and a half. <laughs> they would just they would just unleash the um fire hydrants to make it look like it was a flood. <laughs> Just because the mass was so, you know, it was so ridiculous. Like, we, we can't have this on, on CNN. It's all because of Ernie Ladd. Well, like I said, my note here is Simmons' promo is great. Too Cold is there, you know. And, and again, once you get into the ring, once the bell rings, Too Cold's going to bring it. But on that mic, he's just let you down a little bit. Aaron, any notes on the promo before uh, we move into the match? No, um, you skipped over the 900 promo. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Pillman and uh, Douglas. Go ahead. You want to talk on? You want to speak on that? Speak well, on just, that. I, it's in my notes. That's what's. Um, they did this promo. They played this promo that was exclusively from the one nine hundred number. So you got to think if you called the one nine hundred number and spent fucking three dollars a minute to listen to this fucking thing on your fucking phone, and then all of a sudden it's just on TV, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" But. Um, what? what? You say what the fuck like 13 times and you never describe whatever the fuck was. Well, I'm saying they, they said that this people basically called they, they promoted the fact that you could call the 900 number and listen to this Shane Douglas, Brian Pillman promo. Exclusively. Oh, the hotline. And then they just played it on TV. So you'd think if you just spent this money to listen to this promo, you'd be like, what the hell? I just paid money to listen to this and they just put it on TV. But um, in the interview, um, there's one thing that it's, I don't know if it's fun. It, it made me laugh, but um, basically Brian Pillman says that um, Ron Simmons and two cold Scorpio's team name is the boys from the hood, the boys from the hood. Oh, all right. Well, that's tremendous. Dude, imagine, you know, them guys like, or what? Like they're not like, um, the, the, like, uh, what, what, what's, the, what's the name? Q-Tip and, and the other guy from Menace to Society or whatever? Ashtray? <laughs> yeah. They're, they're not like them boys from the hood. Imagine Ron Simmons walking around with a big dookie on. 
with his, his his pants hanging down all to his his knees, like with his his hair all done up with, with blunts in them. <laughs> like, like he, he was in a don't be a menace South Central. Damn. <laughs> Could you imagine if that was Ron Simmons? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, I don't know who does the um the, uh, the artwork for our, our page, but oh my goodness, there is a doozy. Don't be a damn menace. Yep. As this match goes, it's it's a good it's a good tag team match. Um, Ron Simmons against Brian Pillman, a, a six mindbuster at one point in this match. Um, but actually, something I wrote down in the middle of my match notes to ask if either one of you oh. know, because I don't. I was just thinking. I, I was looking at the match and I was like, this match is like. It's like a WCW 1992 match in ECW in 94. But my, my question is, as far as Pillman or whoever from WCW, like Sherry, what was the deal with WCW at ECW at this point as far as like WCW letting contracted wrestlers go wrestle there, Chad? Do you know? Yeah, I do. I actually do know. It had, um, it had a lot to do with um, Paul's contract. Um I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not going to give you a hundred percent, hundred percent of the facts of it, but mm-hmm. the, but I can give you the gist of it was, was that after Paul, like Paul sued the company, you know, for you know breach of contract, all that stuff, and then right. um, and him and the company came to a um, understanding that they would give him X amount of dollar, X amount of of, of uh, you know pennies on the dollar, and then Paul just said, "All I want is I want uh, Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, and Sensational Sherry." So for him, essentially, it was it was worth more money to have talent to draw to his promotion than to take their money, pretty much. I guess, and it was probably to go go ahead with the whole entire lawsuit or whatever, you know. Right. Yeah, fuck. Why? We, why? I mean, because you know, I guess WCW at that point with that kind of money, they could just hold you up in court for you know forever, and then how much money are you going to have? It's us against you, right? So it was better just to be like, all right, well, just can you just give me these? You're not even using them anyway, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I don't even. Want, I don't even want the guys you're using. I just want the guys you're not using. <laughs> I mean that was that was the best part about it because I think that came up later on on a Meltzer show or Meltzer Observer or whatever was that out of all the people that that ECW was employing, like that um, Paul or WCW was employing, Paul wanted like guys they they weren't using. (laughs) Arn, Bobby, Sherry. And that puts WCW in perspective, everybody. Look, the best people on their roster are the people they aren't using. (laughs) Go figure. Yeah. I mean, but we have, um, what what is that? With Chris Canyon and the other guy. Oh, the men at work. <laughs> men at work. Yeah, there you Mark go. Star. What is it? I think it was Mark Star, wasn't it? Probably, dude. That guy. That guy was just doomed. Like he, he was a jobber from day one. Like he, like he walked on the stage as a jobber, and then he left the stage as a jobber, and he's dead now, right? As a jobber. <laughs> he jobbed out to the to the to the big man upstairs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jesus gave him that last choke slam. That guy got buried. 
his entire life and even at the end. Yeah, I mean, what are you wasting your time here for? You haven't done anything. You, 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 could, you couldn't even beat Brad Armstrong. Jeez. Aaron, your notes on this match before we get to the finish? Um, Shane tries to get Ron Simmons into a gut wrench suplex, and it's fucking terrible. Um, then Sherry ends up hitting um, Douglas by mistake with a shoe, which is whatever. Um, that's really all I got. Well, it turns out it wasn't a mistake. I know. And this is one of those flaws we've been talking about with, w- with ECW bringing up WCW all the time instead of focusing on their own thing, because now the story is that Ric Flair sent Sherry to ECW to screw Shane Douglas. Dude. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. So Rick, Rick, Rick Flair, Rick Flair cuckolded the ECW champion. He what? And that, that's their story. He cuckolded the ECW champion and that's their story. <laughs> that's their story. <laughs> I'd like to hear Rick's story. If he won't tell you, I'm sure Tommy Dreamer will. Oh, he was there. <laughs> Fucking dumb dreamer. But yeah, that's the match, folks. Scorpio and Simmons win. And that is the only match on this episode of ECW. Like I said, I wasn't dissing it when I said earlier it was a one-match show. It was a good match. And it must have been much longer than we actually saw because it was it was clipped. Oh, um, totally was. The, the main part of the ECW storyline for it is that Ron Simmons pinned Shane in a tag team match, so they're able to advance Ron Simmons and Shane Douglas because now Shane can or now Simmons can say that he pinned the champ or whatever. That's the that's the part of it that was good for their actual promotion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't isn't that how the angle works? That's the that's how the angle's supposed to go. Yeah. But like I said, like Nate was saying, they 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 paid more attention to the fact that Ric Flair Supposedly sent Sherry there, then putting over the fact that Ron Simmons just been the champ. Oh, yeah, it's great. And Ric Flair was never going to be there. Yeah. Never. never. No, he was never going to be there. Yet Shane's going to bring him up. Yet he's got as heavy as Ron Simmons. Probably at that point, arguably the baddest man in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know anybody that would test. That would test him. Imagine him at ECW if like Public Enemy tried. Oh come on, that was that was piss poor, <laughs> and that was a failed attempt. What would what, what, he, he gave him a couple stiff forearms, and then he just said, "I don't think so." Yeah, him and Bradshaw just beat the ever loving fuck yeah. out of them on live television. <laughs> yeah, they they. they I've never seen so many clotheslines. Like they just every time they would get up, just clothesline them again. <laughs> just clothesline them again. Don't put them back in the ring because if you if you keep them out on the floor, you can just keep clotheslining them as they get up. Well, after after oh, the match, body, I think our goose is cooked. <laughs> Gag goose is overcooked. After the match, Shane Douglas gives Sherry a pile driver and then cuts a promo on Sherry and Ric Flair. Instead of his upcoming opponent, Ron Simmons. Um, again, I think it's just a miscalculation. Obviously, it doesn't uh, it doesn't hurt ECW. It's just in hindsight, you know, twenty some years later, it seems silly to be so focused on on somebody that, like Chad said, is never going to show up in that arena ever. Yeah, I mean, but the, I mean, to de- to this day, he's never been in that arena. 
But I mean, but I mean, is, is it still out of the realm of possibility that Paul thought that it was going to happen? It's yeah. Pauly, so no, it's Pauly, so no, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You know, he's always scheming. <laughs> I can make this happen somehow. Yeah, you know, and imagine if you can get fucking Ric Flair. Like, I mean, where where is this limo going to park in that parking lot? Seriously. It also would have backfired on them. It would have backfired. backfired on them so bad. If Ric Flair would have showed up at the fucking ECW arena, that crowd that was like, Flair is dead, Flair is dead. The minute Ric Flair showed yeah, up. Flair is here. Flair is here. Flair is here. And they would have fucking cheered their asses off if Ric Flair. Dude, it backfired. It backfired on everybody they brought in. Everybody they brought in, whether it's supposed to be a heel, babyface, indifferent, or whatever. As long as it was somebody the crowd knew, they they were fucking over. Lawler is a prime yeah, example. Yeah, fucking Jerry, Jim Cornette. Yeah, they 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 would have lost their. But see, Lawler Lawler was able to get it back. You know what I mean? Like by cutting his promo or whatever. And, and then they turned on him then. But if Rick Flair, if the lights would have went out and then Rick Flair would have been there and then he would have started <laughs> calling him fat boys and stupid and this, that, and the other thing, they would have <laughs> ate him fucking up. Yeah. There, there would have been signs in the crowd that said, I'm fat boy. I'm fat. Call me fat boy. Dude, if <laughs> I got, I got to be honest. If I was at the ECW arena, let's just say, hypothetically speaking, we're at the ECW arena and Ric Flair's there. And I, I I'm upstairs getting dressed like everybody else. And I overhear Paul and Rick talking about that. And then Paul going, the lights are going to be off. And when they come back on, I would just walked over and go, well, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? It's going to go George like, South on you very quick. <laughs> <laughs> you know that that was that wasn't the name that I was thinking, but you were you were in a ballpark. It, it's like it's it's like being fucking like oh we got Joe Pettacino. I don't think we had Joe Pettacino. He's not he's not alive anymore. But but it's just like it's like when it, when when they do the lights gimmick, it just it doesn't work anymore. Like a guy like Ric Flair, you can't do that, right? I don't know. Am I wrong? No, no. no. I'm just saying, like, those fans, they they were with Shane when he was talking shit about him. But if Flair would have actually showed up, they would have lost their fucking minds. Fuck yeah, they would have. I mean, did you ever see the, um, I mean, didn't Flair work to them? What is, was it the Philadelphia shows? Mm-hmm. He worked a couple of, like, Philadelphia, like, independent shows or something. And like ninety one, I, I have them. I don't know what they were, but he was unannounced for like three shows, and the people were just fucking like, I'm like, dude, it's fucking Ric Flair. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why you're not going so crazy about him. Well, after the match and after uh, Shane Douglas pile drives Sherry, he cuts a promo on Sherry and Ric Flair, and then we get a Ron Simmons promo. Does discussing their upcoming ECW title match at Holiday Hell on December the 17th. Um, good promo from, from Ron. And unlike last week's promo, or the week before, whenever it was, he actually is mentioning Shane Douglas in this promo. So I think he's a little more committed to the promotion at this point, at least for the uh, the short term. Uh, and again, a good promo from Ron Simmons. Um, the line of the promo that I wrote down 
is Simmons says it's like the Indians say the pale face takes a good beating. Yep. Pretty much. Dude, Ron Simmons is good, man. I mean, he's underrated and doesn't get talked about enough. I'll tell you why. It's because he got. No, actually, I can't tell you why. Uh, um, like, he was good in the APA, all right? Mm-hmm. But he learned that shit from his ECW stuff. It's, it's being quick witted. You ain't got to say, he realized he didn't have to say a whole lot. Did you ever see any of his Florida promos, like in Florida Championship? Oh, yeah, from like 86, 87. Yeah, they had worms crawling out of them. They were so rotten. Yeah. They were fucking, they stenched. It was, it was brutal. Um, yeah, but I mean, he learned, like, like his promos still aren't good, but he gets the point. Mm hmm. It's I have to I have to get over this 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 and this and you see that develop in him when he's in WCW working for Bill Watts. That's when it that's when it really his spark really gets ignited. That's Bill Watts right there. Yeah, I mean Bill, you can tell you can absolutely tell that Bill Watts took him under his wing and 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 really helped him develop himself because that's that's when. I remember that's when I first, you know, and and I, I when I was younger, I was a fan of Doom as a tag team, but I noticed Ron Simmons once Bill Watts started booking WCW. He just there was a there was a discernible change in him, and from then on, it was up 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 up. Well, well he always had he always had that eye for the like the consummate, like the consummate athlete. Mm-hmm. And and Ron Simmons, let's be honest, mm-hmm. seriously, who's got more credentials? Like you can't get Cal Ripken to start taking bumps, <laughs> you know, as as a better athlete. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Are, are you going to teach Tom Brady how to hit the ropes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you got Ron Simmons, uh, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what to call it, Hall of Famer or how they do that, but in college, but yeah, you know. And that's where I get. That's where I give him. Even though I really like both of them, that's where I give him the 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 edge on um, Doctor Death, because Doctor Death I don't think ever was a good promo. He was never the full package to me. Uh, oof, oof! They really got me in the in a bind here, pal. <laughs> and now again, and I love Steve Williams. Steve Williams was fantastic, but I just. I think I think Simmons edges him out because Simmons had the promo and I don't think Dr. Death did. I would I would have thought you would have jumped you would have you would have started with George Wells first. Oof. <laughs> I would have thought I, I, I thought you would have started with him before you went right to Dr. Death. God dang. <laughs> like, uh, can he at least be better than George Wells? <laughs> What about Scrap Iron McGursky? <laughs> is he better than him? The the name of this episode is going to be better than George Wells. <laughs> Fucking kid me! Well, after the Simmons promo, <laughs> George, George Wells. Like, how many times have you seen him? Like, you know, where was the only place he ever worked at? Like the Montreal, like the. the, the 
you know, the Maple Leaf, <laughs> Maple Leaf Gardens. <laughs> George Wells got a WrestleMania shot. Yeah. And Steve and I'm, sure, I'm sure King Kong Bundy was involved in that. No, George Wells actually wrestled Jake Roberts right. at WrestleMania yeah. too. Well, I guess he didn't wrestle. He just, he just lost to Jake Roberts at WrestleMania <laughs> too. Master G. George Wells. That's the second time we've mentioned George Wells on this show. <laughs> well, now you know how much of a, of a cult following he has. <laughs> if we, we mentioned him twice. My thing with Ron Simmons' promos, if it's okay to say it, is that it wasn't necessarily um, the best verbiage. It was how he said it. You know what I mean? Like, like he delivered it. You're like, this guy, this guy, fucking means what he's. It, it might, it might not be the most. Like we were it's like we were talking about with Jake earlier. Confidence. Yeah, it might not be the most eloquent promo, but he's saying it, and he seems like a badass motherfucker when he's saying Dude, it. Believe it. That shit, that shit is scary. Like if if Ron Simmons was my father, if Ron Simmons was my mentor. If Ron Simmons was my probation officer. If Ron Simmons was my fucking neighbor. Mow your <laughs> lawn. Yes, he's, I will mow said, my lawn today. He says, he says okay a lot in his promos. And I've talked about this on my, my show. Like, <laughs> he'll cut a promo and he'll say, I'm going to go ahead and whoop your ass. Okay? And then you just be like, all right. Okay, sir. It's going to happen. If you hang on, I'm just going to go tell my wife that I have an ass whooping uh, <laughs> uh, coming yeah. to me tomorrow. Um, I'll just ever, I'll get, the, yeah, get the ice packs and the icy hot ready. I'll like Ric Flair told him. Or he told Ric Flair. He said that Flair said that the Steiners were fucking with... Uh, Butch Reed in the locker room and just bullying him or whatever. And Rick Flair Are you was kidding like, me? No. And Rick Flair said he looked at Ron Simmons and he was like, Ron, they're over there fucking with Butch. Why don't they fuck with you like that? And he looked at Rick Flair and said, Because I'm unfuckable. Yeah. Rick Flair was like, I believe you. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe Butch Reed took that shit. <laughs> I, I, I mean, who is fucking one of the Freebirds? The Steiners. Ah, the Steiners. All right, well, I don't know, maybe. But yeah, Flair was like, are they going to do that to you? Why don't they fuck with you like that? And Ron Simmons was like, Rick, because I'm unfuckable. And Rick Rick Flair's like, I believe you, sir. Like, like he's Haku level, in my opinion. Uh, That is a guy that you, you don't fuck with that guy. Luckily, luckily, he's a good, he's a very good friend. I mean, a very good friend with one of my buddies here in Baltimore. Because I'm, I'm very fortunate that we live by Jimmy Seafood. And we can go over there and see anybody whenever they come into town and all that stuff. And and Brian Holhouse, he's the guy. He's the liaison for MCW. And he, he, he hosts all the guys. What a, what, a, what a phenomenal job he does. And he brings everybody in. And we set everything up at Jimmy's and all. And we get everybody going in there. Next thing I'm hoping for is we can get... um. Uh, what's his name? The the guy from Dark Order. I don't know any he, other names. I don't know whether he's he's the Peter Avalon. No, yeah, you mentioned him earlier. <laughs> he's my favorite. Long John Silver or whatever his name is, the little guy. Oh, not Alex Silver. He's the he's terrible. <laughs> and then you got the Gimp, the Gimp <laughs> dude. Is that 
Evil Uno. What's it? Don't don't be don't be calling Miss Jess that. <laughs> After the Ron Simmons promo, we get a promo from Cactus Jack and Mikey Whipwreck. With Cactus, of course, putting over Mikey. You know, Mikey. Essentially, the, the gist of it is Mikey's Mikey's growing his balls. His balls have dropped. It was uh, a man of his word. When Cactus was in trouble, Mikey came out and helped. Yeah, Mikey kick, said, kick, if Kevin, Kevin Sullivan, Sullivan's ass. Yeah, he said, if Kevin Sullivan turns on you, I'll kick his ass. And that's what he attempted to do. Mikey's becoming a man. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. I, I, I liked it. I mean, I just didn't like, um, I don't know, maybe it's the uh, time frame of when, when they recorded it. But I just didn't like the way that Mikey said that. Like, I thought Mikey could have been a little more stern about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't know. We're talking about, what, 30 years ago, basically. And Mikey being a little kid. Maybe if Mikey was a little kid, but he just decided he didn't want to be a little kid anymore. Right. You know? I'll deal with it, you know? Then after I, like, that- I, like Nick and, I like Nick and Mikey together. But Foley and... Whipwreck? Yeah, I like them together. Yeah, I don't mind it. I mean, yeah, I know. But, I mean, you got to look at the, the fucking big picture. It ain't lasting forever. Yeah, but I just like the fact that Cactus took this little, found this little goof. And the storyline of it is, like, you know, he found this little guy and he he saw something in him that nobody else saw. And he, and he got it out of him. You know what I mean? And it was supposed to be me. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> Yeah, you don't rub be, it in. You could be where Mikey Whipwreck's at right now. At home? <laughs> yeah. Not doing a podcast? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what's he doing? Oh, Beast. <laughs> you seen him? He looks like an egg. He's probably got pigeons and shit. He looks like an egg. Well, there you go. I, I don't look like an egg. I'm actually in pretty good shape. You wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe the way I look at at. I, I, I'm I'm just like 14 days shy of being 50 years old, and I look great. I took off my shirt the other day, and nobody got offended. But I was also at the uh, over 60 swim club meeting. <laughs> he was gonna say I was also by myself. Yeah, I was, <laughs> no, I was, I was down at the community <laughs> pool where they had it was the over 60 and plus aqua thing, whatever Doing the aqua yoga or whatever. Yeah, whatever they do. And and nobody said anything. So I, I saw a couple of girls look at me, give me the eye. <laughs> they probably- <laughs> at that age, they're ladies <laughs> through through their cataracts. <laughs> what? All right. So after this, we get a public enemy promo. That's a bunch of nonsense. Uh, they talk about how they get thrown out of a pizza parlor and they got thrown out of a clothing store or whatever. And they're at Fool's Paradise, which is apparently a strip club. I had no idea what that is. Well, they're just essentially talking about their match coming up with Sabu and Taz. And then Joey Styles introduces Paul E. And I thought that this promo was super effective because Paul E. talks about all the people he's managed. The original Midnight Express, the Dangerous Alliance, etc., etc. And his most impressive tandem in his mind is Taz and Sabu. And what a better way to put those two guys over than for Paulie, who legit has had an amazing managerial career, to be putting these two guys over. He also did his... a good job of uh, basically saying that his career has done like a role reversal, that they were usually the guys 
like he and his guys were usually the guys that were targeting people and fucking them up and now <laughs> managing the guys Jesus Christ he was turning on people and fucking them up no like he's he's saying like when he managed these people they were the ones that were gunning for guys they were the ones that were being the um aggressive heels basically and now it's like role reversal because now people are targeting him and his people well that's that's a great story right and then he has he has a really good line too but i'll I'll, nate probably wants to talk more about it than i do but no go ahead Aaron. that was Uh, that was my gist of the of his promo was just him referencing his history and turning it into a way to put sabu and tasmaniac over and then he also he closes it by saying that they're going to beat the public enemy so bad that they are going to curse the pimps that impregnated their mothers. Okay. He's going so, to curse the pimps that impregnated their mothers? What he says about the public enemy. He basically says that the public enemy was birthed through prostitutes. I'm not uh, surprised. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Overall, what kind of, what kind of show is this? What, we got, we this? got, we got. Actually, we got more mileage out of the ECW show than I thought we would. But what did we think about this? The overall presentation, the one match presentation, and then the promos to end the show. I thought it was a decent episode. Again, like I said from the beginning, I wasn't shitting on the show. I just didn't think we'd have as much to talk about because it was just one match and then some promos. So good on us for getting as much out of it as we did. I guess. Well, I mean, hasn't ECW always done this, Nate? Like, they've always, like, how many shows have we done where we've always said there's been one match, seven promos? You're not analyzing it as, I guess when we do our notes, we aren't analyzing it as good as as we do when we all get together and talk about it. Because it seems like a lot comes out that you're not thinking about when you're watching it on your own, I guess. I know. Just think about, like. When you were watching it when it aired, it was the hottest thing on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Or all of our notes collectively make two pages of notes. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I, I wrote Monkey Boy. It's the only thing I wrote on my page. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I don't think my notes are going to help make two pages <laughs> or a page and a half. <laughs> you at least have, you're at least the header. You wrote the date down. You got, you, you did your part. But well, yeah. ECW is in a bad spot here, man. Like because they're, um, because they're getting bigger, right? Mm-hmm. Seemingly, let's just say seemingly they're getting bigger. But where's the money coming from? Ty Gordon's pawn shop. It's not at this point. Todd Gordon is almost done. He, he, he I mean. I mean, what, what what did he pawn shop? What is he, Rick Harris over here? You know, how much money could you lose? He had to have lost, he had to have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Had to have, right? Mm-hmm. Had to have. What kind of pawn shop could sustain that? So to say, like, oh, that's his pawn shop. He had to have other investors, and I'm sure that other investors, H, H, and G, um, Heyman, being one, but I guarantee that one hate one not one dollar of Heyman's was involved in this. At least not his own. Maybe his parents. Yeah, maybe somebody he knew. You know, with the last name Hyman, <laughs> something or other. But yeah, but I mean, we're we're 
this is getting to the point where we are we are losing money hand over fist, man, at this point. Well, that is it for this week's edition of Reliving the Extreme. Aaron, any parting words for our listeners this week? Yep, just thanks for listening, and um, our numbers are steady and growing, so I appreciate that. And if you are listening to it and you have other wrestling, old-school wrestling fans that might not be listening. Tell them about it so we can keep growing the show. Yeah, but you're I, talking. You're talking to the people that are already listening to us. I would. I. I I'm honest to God. I'm saying. I and and I, I don't know. I think that if if nobody is if somebody isn't listening to this show, they're missing out because I think we do a great goddamn product every week. It's oh, entertaining. Yeah. It, it, it's their fault, and you can always go on Facebook and 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 you can make a rant and go. You're a fucking. You're a fool. You know, come, come listen to our show, you fucking fools. Yeah, what's the matter with you, you fucking rube? <laughs> you dumbass bone. Yeah, I mean, I mean, wh- I mean, why aren't you? I don't, I don't get it. I'm funny. Aaron's funny. Nate, Nate he's Nate's, on the show. Nate's here. <laughs> I mean, we, we we have a whole entire thing going on here. Yeah. And, <laughs> We're like the Marx Brothers. Well, oh man, of, I'm fucking Zeppo. God damn Zeppo. it. You're Zeppo Marks. Oh <laughs> yeah. uh, shit. That's not my... Some, hey, you know what? Fuck that. It's that's a talent to play the straight man. And he's usually the funniest guy when the camera's off. Nate Zeppo. Uh I'll be Checo. <laughs> and and Che can be Groucho. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And Archie's fucking Harpo. Archie. Archie's Harpo because we never let him come on and talk. <laughs> no, Archie. Archie's. A, there's, there's no other character other than just Archie. Archie he's his own. <laughs> he's, a, he's his own character. Like he's, he's Fatty Arbuckle. He is Fatty Arbuckle. <laughs> That's that is that is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> that is the God's honest truth. That guy is Fatty Arbuckle, and yeah, what he's gonna he's gonna come on here and he's gonna try to deface me and try to tell me he beat me for my title. He didn't win anything. He came in second, first place. And that means, in- yeah, that 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 reminds me. Go listen to the latest edition of the We Can't Wrestle podcast as well to hear Chad join us for trivia. That was a fun night. I had a blast. Um, he came in the other first place. <laughs> So for Chad Austin, for Aaron Maxson, and for Fatty Archbuckle, I am Nate Maxson saying everybody will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on Reliving the Extreme. Tell you.